today we're talking about um, God is good, and I wanted to start with this verse, Romans 8, 32. Since he, God, did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If God gives you his most precious gift, his priceless gift, do you think he's going to sweat the small stuff in your life? No, he's not. Um, See, there's this battle that you and I have to face. Every Christian, every Christ follower has to face without exception, and it's a battle for your heart. Jesus said, where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said, where your money goes, your feelings are going to follow. Where your talents go, your feelings are going to follow. Where your treasure, where your time goes, that your feelings are going to follow that. You were created to worship something, and the enemy of God wants you to worship anything, anything other than God. Um, so here's what the deal is. God wants the title deed to your heart. He wants you to sign your name and hand him the title deed. And I know you've signed title deeds without knowing what's on them. You've gone, if you bought a house, if you bought a, you've signed deeds all the time. I've looked at the lawyer and gone, what's in it? He's going, it's okay, sign it. And I'm going, <laughs> you know, the first time we did that, we signed 800 pages. Um, it was cool when we bought the land back here. That was one of the coolest ever because we paid cash for when we bought the 38 acres. Went in, I was literally in the, in, in the lawyer's office 10 seconds, signed two pieces of paper. I said, cash is awesome. We should always pay cash. Anyway, so God wants you to sign the title deed without knowing what's on the top. He says, you trust me with your heart. I'll take care of everything else. But there's a barrier to us doing that, and that barrier is FOMO. You know what that means? Fearing of missing out. We had one person in the first service. We had one person in this. Fear of missing out. People are online all the time. You know what the number one reason is that they're online? I don't want to miss out. And the irony is you're missing out on what's right around you while you're staring at your screen. Idiot. Sorry. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. Missed stuff right around me. So, But I'm just saying, it, it, isn't that ironic? We don't want to miss out, but we miss out because we're looking at something else. Now, FOMO is nothing new. It contributed to the very first sin of the very first couple who are our parents, Adam and Eve. When the serpent came up to Eve, he said, Eve, don't you know God's holding out on you? God's not good. He doesn't want the best for you. He knows if you eat of this one fruit, you'll be like him. And the very first sin and the sins you and I commit are because we believe in our hearts God is not good. God's holding out on us. Well, if that's true, if there's this battle, if there's this barrier, how do we deal with it? Well, you deal with it by believing God is good. He's good. That's the next one. Sorry, I did it again, didn't I? Go ahead, put it up there, put it up there. Travis is is revolting on me. I skipped this in the first service. The root of all sin is a suspicion that God is not good. So how do you combat that? You believe God is good. All right. Yes, thank you. You believe that the best path you could possibly take would be the path that God has. And, and you look at his guidelines, not, not as restrictions to keep you from something, but, but as, as guardrails on the path. And there's a thousand foot drop on either side. And if God says, this is the way you do relationships, then you do relationships like that. Because if you stay on the path, you're not going to crash and burn. And he says, I, I want you to do money this way. And these are guidelines that'll keep you from falling off the side. Relationships, business. He tells us all of these things. And if we'll stay within his boundaries, he will bless us. But people go, oh, that's so narrow-minded. Jesus said there's a narrow road that leads to life. There's a broad road that leads to death. Is it narrow-minded for a 747 jet that you are on to land on a runway created for it? Or would you rather that pilot go, you know, I'm just going to land anywhere? It's not narrow-minded to do what God has created you to do. 
See, most of us believe in our hearts God's not good. It's our distorted view of God that's at the root of every problem we have, every sin that we commit. Our fears, our anxieties, our relationship breakdowns, our sense of the future, it all goes back to we don't believe God's good. We really don't believe it. When we don't see God clearly, we don't see ourselves clearly. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Janie on the phone. She was in Dallas, and she was going to work on a shower head. And so I said, hey, if you're working on a shower head like our shower head, you're going to need a pipe wrench. And she said, what's a pipe wrench? She'd never worked with a pipe wrench. So I started describing it to her. And she goes, oh, I know what that is. And then she was thinking crescent wrench because I was talking about it's adjustable. And I said, no, a pipe wrench. And I was trying to explain it. Finally, I do what everybody does when they don't know what to do. I Googled it, a picture, and sent it to her. She goes, oh, that's a pipe wrench. Now, see, I grew up, my dad was a pipe fitter for Phillips Petroleum for 37 years. I came out watching my dad use a pipe wrench on different things and learning all kinds of words I should not have learned as a, at a young age when he's dealing with pipes. But, but that's beside the point. So dad was working with a pipe wrench and it's awesome because it has this little, it pivots just a little bit so that it grips onto something round and so that it, it, can, it can actually, what do you think it was made for? It's, it's in the name. It's made for pipes. Very good. Now, what if, what if this pipe wrench got online and all he ever saw online were pictures of screwdrivers and hammers. Would the pipe wrench automatically know what he was designed for? No. What if the pipe wrench said, I identify as a screwdriver? And I'm not even talking about sexuality. I'm talking about purpose. If the, if the pipe wrench says, I want to be a screwdriver, how many, of you, how many of you have ever tried to put in a screw with a pipe wrench? And I have, I have done it. I have done it. You know how long that takes? Forever. And you start thinking some of those words, my dad's, no, 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 no. <laughs> what, have, you ever, have you ever used a pipe wrench as a hammer? Come on, come on. Half of the first service had done, yes, yes. Very effectively? No. See, what the pipe wrench needs to know is why it was created. And then when it's in the hands of somebody who knows what it's for, it's used effectively. See, that's the deal. If you never see God, it means you do not see yourself clearly, correctly. It guarantees you won't see your past correctly. It guarantees you won't see your present. And it sure guarantees you won't see your future correctly because you don't know why you're on the planet. Not seeing God clearly leads to a scarcity mentality. That means there's not enough to go around. So if there's not enough to go around, I've got to get what I want. I need this much money. I need this job. I need to date that person. I need to marry that person. I need to own this so that I'll be happy. And Solomon in the Old Testament, the wisest man who ever lived, said that type of lifestyle is chasing after the wind. You ever seen somebody just run around crazy? Chasing after the wind. Has anyone ever caught it? Anyone caught the wind? Because I'll give you time. If you know how to do that, go on. I'll wait. I want to put it on New Life's Facebook page. Hey, George, caught the wind. No one, right? When you don't see God clearly... It guarantees that your life will be spent chasing after the wind. Now, last week we talked a lot about Moses when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And um, there's a huge difference. I'm going to show you today. There's a huge difference in how Moses saw God and how everybody else in the children of Israel saw God. And, and there's a key verse that, that kind of brought this out to me just a couple of weeks ago. I discovered this verse. Psalm 103.7 says this, He, God, revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The people of Israel saw what? 
the deeds of God and Moses saw the character, character of God. So it's like this cycle. So for, for days and days and weeks and months and eventually years, it was this cycle. God's power, God's deliverance, God's power, God's deliverance, God's power, God's deliverance. They saw it over and over and over again. And after a few days, you know what they wanted to see? God's power and God's deliverance. See, I'd learned a lesson from the Old Testament. And the lesson is miracles don't addict you. They addict you to more miracles, not to God. Right? So, so God would come and he would do something crazy and they would go, oh, God's awesome. A few days later, God, where are you now? What have you done for me lately? See, God's not interested in being your personal genie and zapping you out of problems that, that are created by your own bad choices. All of Israel saw God's power and God's deliverance. But how many people who were at Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, how many of those people got to go into the promised land? Only two over the age of 20. I, I think it's significant that, that God didn't hold those under 20 accountable. He held those 21 and above accountable. Only two got to go into the promised land. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb. How come Joshua and Caleb got to go into the promised land? They believed God is good and he can do what he, wants, what he says he's going to do. Everyone else did not believe God was good, did not believe God would come through on his promises, and so they forfeited their future. They died in the wilderness. And some of you are going to die in the wilderness because you don't believe God is good. And you've turned your back on him. How could they miss it? God's power was on display. Parting the Red Sea, bringing food, bringing water from a rock. How could they miss it? They miss it the same way you and I miss it. Because Jesus said, my father is always at work. And I too am working. We miss it just like they did because we focus on the wrong things. See, God's deeds don't sustain us. It's his character that sustains us. Let's say you've had a huge problem in your life and you've been down on your face praying, God, please hear me. God, please intervene. You've asked everybody you know to pray, God, please intervene. And if God stepped in and he showed his power, most of you that I know, you would stand on top of the roof or on a mountaintop and shout out, God is so good. You do that for about a month. And then 30 days in, some other problem crops up and you're going, where are you, God? How dare you leave me like this? You throw a temper tantrum, you act like a child, turn your back on God. God's deeds do not sustain you. It's his character that does. See, Moses had God, seen God's power as deliverance. Moses saw the same deeds, but Moses goes deeper. He makes a, an outrageous request of God in Exodus 33:18. 18. He says, then Moses said, now please, to God, show me your glory. What he's saying is, God, I want to see you face to face. I want to go deeper. It's not enough just to see your deeds. Show me something else. And God in verse 20 goes, um, sorry, dude, no man, no human may see my face and live. So you're going to die if you do that. I'll show you something else that's not nearly as dangerous, that's much more accessible. I'll show you my goodness. And this is in Exodus 33, 19. And we're going to look at this more closely in our small groups tonight, so I'm just going to mention it here, but here's what it says. The Lord answered Moses, I will cause all my goodness, not my holiness, not my power, not my forgiveness, not my, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will announce my name. So he's going to say, my, the Lord. He's going to announce his name so you can hear it, and I will show kindness to whoever I want to show kindness to. I will show mercy to anyone to whom I want to show mercy. One, uh, one commentator said that God's goodness equals God's generosity. Have you ever thought of God as generous? 
Think how this would change your prayer life if the first thing you thought of the Almighty God who created everything, if you thought he's good, he's generous, and he's actually seated on his throne and he's leaning forward to us, waiting in anticipation for what he wants to give you, his goodness and his grace. If you saw him that way, would it make it easier to pray? That's a yes or no question. Yes. First service didn't get that, so I'm helping. If you saw him as, as a good and generous God who can't wait to bless your life, when you sin, when you mess up, would it make it easier for you to come back into his presence if you saw him as a good and generous God who wanted to bless you? Yes or no question? Yes, thank you. See, God takes holy pleasure in your happiness. Jumped ahead, didn't I? If God is good then where do we get this messed up idea that he's just mean and he's just waiting to catch us do something wrong? I don't know, but I kind of think maybe it has something to do with taboo. And maybe I'll play taboo. Okay, the way you play taboo is you have two teams. You have one person from each team come up front. And, and so if I'm on my team and I'm trying to get you to guess the word, the word is mistake. I can't tell you that. But there's a bunch of words I can't use to get you to say mistake. I can't use error, blunder, make, um, wrong or right. I can't say those words. So the most fun thing is somebody from the other team also looks at your card. You're trying to get your team to say this and they're looking for all these words. And if, you, if you're trying to get them to, to say your word and, and you say, um, blunder. The most fun thing is to have the buzzer because they don't even know they're going, because uh, there's a timer going, they're going, uh, uh, they're trying to think of how to get you to say the word mistake without using these words. And the person here, it is funny that did this several years ago we were at the colander's house and and uh chad and cindy were there me and janie and i don't even remember how many couples were there five or, or six couples and we're playing this game as men against the women and the women were just getting into it so were the men and it was funny because we would have the wives of the husband who was playing or the if the wife was giving the words you know and, and they're going no oh i did make a mistake and it's just so fun i was playing with this the other day and janie was just shaking her head because i just it's fun to catch somebody doing something wrong, somebody else doing something wrong. That is not who God is. He's not sitting up there with a buzzer waiting to catch you doing something wrong. He takes pleasure in your happiness, holy pleasure in your happiness. How about that, Travis? God is not down on you because you live in a sin-filled world. God is for you in the midst of that sin-filled world. But we don't see that. See, when... when when we see God's goodness, it changes the way we worship. When we see him as good and generous, something inside of us just spills out and we don't care who hears us singing. We don't care who sees us raising our hands because it's not about you, it's about him. And he's good and he's generous and he wants to bless us. Well, if that's true, where did, the, where did this FOMO come from? Fear of missing out, where did it come from? It came from a belief, a mistaken belief, that God is not for you. It's the lie that real success is out there somewhere. It's that, that these, this Bible is old and it can't tell you how to do stuff right. It's a belief that it's somewhere else and God is keeping things from you. But I want you to see what God says about God in Psalm 8411. For the Lord God, this is his covenant name. Whenever you sign your name on the title deed, this is what God signs, Lord God. For the Lord God is our sun and shield. Now, I don't even have time to talk about this, but sun means power, light. Shield means protection. The Lord God is our sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing. I want you to say no good thing. No good thing. From those who do what is right. 
As you walk God's path with his guardrails on the side, you can say, I have no FOMO. I have no fear of missing out because God is good and God is for me. That's a statement of faith that pleases your heavenly father. It's, it's, a, it's a promise to claim and it will change the course of your life. If you believe that from here to here, it will reorient your life. You will do things differently. Because if God has your best in mind, he's sovereign, he's all wise God, and he's leaning forward on the throne to bless your life, our response will be, God, whatever you want, whatever you say, God, it's yes, because I know you are for me and you'll never leave me. It's that simple. We won't fight with him over the title deed of our lives because we believe he's good. If he's good, how does he show himself? Thank you for that, amen. One. He, he shows himself through nature. And these are going to come up in small group as well, so we're going to fly through this. Psalm 145, 7 through 9 says this, They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to how many? He, is compa- he has compassion on how many? All he has made. I told you last week there's two categories of beings. There are created things and God. He's in a separate category all to himself. And this says that everything that God has made, he is good to it in a general sense. See, we need to pause and we need to appreciate nature. When's the last time you just sat and watched a sunset? I was with Rachel at the SFA basketball game yesterday. We walked out last night. I don't know, it was, it was about 6.20 p.m. and the sunset was spectacular. It's kind of funny because Rachel stops and she starts taking a picture and then there's dozens of college students as we're walking out of the Coliseum stopping, you know, some of them in the middle of the road, stopping and taking pictures. Don't want to miss it. But it was spectacular. When's the last time you just watched a sunset? Thank you. When's the last time that you went to a park and watched children play because children aren't caught up on, oh, I wonder what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Yeah. Kids are not worried about what what they're going to be when they grow up. Kids are present in the moment, and they're just enjoying life. My grandson, Waylon, loves outside. Here's Waylon. He actually broke his leg last week. Um, Hannah, his mama, took him to the park, and they were going to play, and it's so funny. He says, I want to play in the park. I want to play in the park. Park, park. I want to play in the park. And so she went to take him to play in the park, and she had him in her lap, and they, they were sliding down, and his foot, actually, his tennis shoe got stuck on the, yeah, it just hurt. And so it, it snapped, and, and so he, we call him Wei Wei. We're like, hey, Wei Wei. So he calls himself Yay Yay. He, he can't say Wei Wei, so he goes, Yay Yay has an ouchie. And he points at it. He calls it a boot. He calls it an Aggie boot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. Sick em bears. Um, but he says, yeah, yeah, has a boot. Yeah, yeah, has a boot. That boy will wear you out wanting to go outside. Outside, 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 outside. He actually can open the, the door of their apartment now, so they have to keep the deadbolt locked, and it's just a matter of time till he can get the deadbolt open. They live on the second floor, and we're going, oh, dear Jesus. We were there. Uh, Caleb and Hannah couldn't come home for Christmas, so we all went down to see him. So my whole family was there, and he wanted to go outside, so we're going to take him for a walk. He loves airplanes. He loves nature, loves everything. So we're walking through the parking lot at the apartments, and, and we, he sees you know, those little metal grates that where all the water runs to, and so he goes over, and he's just fascinated. He's just looking at it, and he's just looking at it. So I go over there with him, and I go, watch this, Waylon. I went, and I spit in there, and he grinned, and he goes, and he didn't even have anything come out. He's, dig in, Papa. And then he's, so Caleb calls me a couple weeks later, and he goes, dude, we can't stink and walk by a metal grate with having to spit in it. And I said, you're welcome. That's my job, to make your life more difficult. And I'm good at it. 
Waylon loves to be outside. He loves to be in nature. Maybe you just need to take some time to look at God's goodness in nature. God also shows his goodness by rescuing us. And I want to read this to you because this, this totally changed my life reading this. Glenn was serving as missionary in Sri Lanka. By the way, this is the book, uh, The Real God by Chip Ingram. Glenn was serving as a missionary in Sri Lanka. During a vacation, he took his family to an ocean resort for some rest and relaxation. When Glenn was on the beach with his wife and two kids, a young man out in the water suddenly began to wave and to shout that he was getting pulled under. No lifeguards were there, and it was obvious that if no one intervened, the boy would drown. A strong Minnesota farm boy and an excellent swimmer, Glenn ripped off his shirt and dove in. He cut through the pounding breakers and reached the struggling victim just in time. He dove below the boy, grabbed him from behind, and heaved him out of the undertow to the surface. His timing was perfect. A wave caught the boy and carried him toward waiting hands near shore. But Glenn's tactic put him in the clutches of the same undertow from which he had just rescued the boy. He was slammed to the bottom, pinned by an invisible hand. I couldn't move at all, and I was completely out of air. I cried out, oh, Jesus, help me. Pictures flashed through my mind. All I could think was that my wife and my two kids were going to watch me drown right in front of them. I didn't know how I would die, but I never thought it would be like this, he continued. I gave up. I stopped fighting. There was nothing I could do. I knew death was close. The next breath I took would be all water, and I was ready to pass out. What I expected to be my last conscious thought turned into a prayer, oh, Jesus, save me. Literally, as though something grabbed me and threw me, I popped to the surface and waves swept, in toward, uh, swept me in toward eager hands. They got me to the beach and helped me cough the water out of my lungs. When they turned me over, another missionary, Robin Cook, was there bending over me. The dregs of adrenaline helped me sit up, but I was shaking badly. Someone threw some towels around me. After it was all over, I turned to Robin and said, God is good, isn't he? I'm not sure how God gives people the right words for the right time, but Robin had a memorable answer. He put his hand on Glenn's shoulder and said, Glenn... God sure is good, but he, be, he would be good even if you had died out there. We're always saying, God, you're good when you do what I want you to do, but God's good even if he would have died. And this has changed how I've been praying. And, and Janie actually told some friends of ours, she goes, Doug just keeps telling me how good God is. And, and I, in my prayer journal, I wrote down, God, you're good if you answer my prayer, and you're good if, I, if you don't answer my prayer. You're a good God, and it has nothing to do whether you answer my prayer or not, if you believe God is good, it will change the way you see and do life. Here's what Psalm 107, 1 and 2 says. Give thanks to the Lord for he is what? Good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Some of you heard this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're supposed to tell when God rescues you. Tell of those, he, uh, those who he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south, See, God isn't good because of, he does good things for us. God isn't good because of something in us. God is good because of something in him. It is fundamentally who he is. He's good. Now, Psalm 107 ends with this verse. Verse 43 says this. Let the one who is wise, I want to be wise. If you want to be wise, let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds. Ponder the goodness of God. If you want to be wise, ponder the, the loving deeds of the Lord. Wisdom means understanding who God is. It means understanding why God created you the way he created you and what he wants you to do. Wisdom says, here is the path that God has laid out. And if God says to do relationships this way, I'm going to do relationships this way because he loves me. He's a good God. And God says, here's the way you're supposed to, if you sin, if you hurt somebody's feelings or you, you just flat out lose your cool 
and you hurt them, God says, here's the way that you confess your sins and you get forgiveness, and I'm going to get on that path. Wisdom says I'm going to be on that path because a good God loves me, and he says, this is the way you do life. <laughs> Have you, a, a, a little quiz time right here. How many of you have ever been on the wrong path before? You got on the wrong road. You've gone down the wrong, all right, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's all of us. I want you to see what Proverbs says about the path. There is a path before each person that seems right, seems right. It felt right, but it ends in death. And it may be physical death. You go off a cliff, you know, you go, boom. But it could be the death of a relationship. It could be the death of a marriage. It could be the death of a job. It could be the death of your reputation because it sure felt right, but it ended in the death of something. If you've ever been on the wrong path, it's because you're not following God. God will never lead you on the wrong path. Now, here's an assignment. I want you to start, I want you to start watching for how many times God does good things, how many times he rescues you, how many times he rescues someone you know. Start writing that down. You're going to find out you'll lose count because his rescuing is continuous. His goodness is always being poured out on everything that he's made. Third way that he shows his goodness is through Jesus. And again, a couple of things that, that are in our small group, but they were so good, I just had to put them in here. First one is Jesus is the proof of God's goodness. His goodness, God's goodness was made evident long before you and I ever did anything. In fact, the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So there's no cause and effect. I can't clean myself up enough for God to be good to me. No, look what Romans 5, 8 says. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A dead person can't make themselves alive. God said, I'm going to come rescue dead sinners. I'm a good God. He died in your place. He, he's the proof for all time. And by the way, never look at your circumstances without seeing the backdrop of the cross. If you have cancer, you need to look at the cross. If you have a wayward child, you need to look at the cross. If you have a messed up marriage, you need to look at the cross. God is good in the midst of your hurt and your pain. Second thing is that Jesus is the guarantee of future goodness, of God's future goodness. If you want to know the proof of God's present goodness right now, it's, it's the cross. If you want a guarantee of the future goodness of God, it's the cross. Romans 8.32, this is how we started this, this sermon today. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God has loved you. He's rescued you. He's paid for you. How will he not give you wisdom to be in the right relationship? He will. How will he not give you direction for the right job? He will. How will he not give you grace to get through whatever you're going through? He will. But a lot of times we're not seeking him. That's what we talked about the whole time last week, how to seek God. He says, if you seek me with all of your heart, I'll make sure you find me. But let's be honest. Most of us are not seeking God, except when we're at church. Now, you need to understand all of these benefits, the goodness of God. We did read that, that God is good to all of his creation in a general sense, but specific goodness is only applied to the family of God. If you're not in the family of God, then everything I've been talking about, this goodness of God, it doesn't apply to you. So if you don't know for sure, if you died right now, that you are in the family of God, that you would go be with God, maybe you need to take some time and think about this. Here's how you know that you're in the family of God. You believe that God sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind. What, what we just read, 
He demonstrated his love for us in, the, in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then you believe God raised him from the dead, and you believe that you have life in him and that he'll adopt you into his family. You believe that, but it's not enough to believe. The Bible says that demons believe, and they're scared to death because they know not only is God good, they know he's holy and he's coming to judge. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. The Bible says they believe in a real God, and they are scared to death because he's coming back someday. You have to believe and receive it. So how do you do that? Around here we say you ask God to be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life. So here's what Romans 2.4 says. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I'm not trying to scare the hell out of you today, and I didn't just cuss. I'm trying to get your attention. I'm not trying to scare you out of hell because according to this verse, it is God's kindness. It's his goodness that leads you to repent. So all of God's goodness to you has been for this. Put it up there, Travis, if you would. God's saying to you today, would you come and let me give you the best gift ever? You can't earn it. I want to forgive your sin. I want to come into your life, and I want to change your life, and I want you to become my son or my daughter. And here's how you say this. Here's how you pray. If you want to pray, Almighty God, I had no idea you were so good. I had no idea you loved me so much. And right now in this room, or if you're watching online, I want to turn from my sin, and I ask you to forgive me based on Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection and come into my life right now. And, and if you want that prayer, I've got a whole bunch of them. Where did I put them? There it is. They're going to have the, the greeters, uh, our guest services team will have these at the door, and I'm going to put some up here in a minute. If you want to come to the altar in a minute and pray some of these prayers, you'll, you can do that. If you pray that prayer, please write it on your card, your registration card today, um, because, or, or tell somebody because we need to help you with the next step. Now, there's a second response to God's goodness, and, and it's for those of you who have already believed, but maybe there's areas of your life that you're holding on to, you're not surrendering to God. And, and here's what Romans 12, 1 says. I urge you, brothers and sisters, that's Christ followers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The way you honor God's goodness is you give your body back to him. And you say, if this is your plan, this is how I use my body. And here's how you pray that. Lord, I want to tell you I'm afraid, but on this day at this place, I offer myself all that I am, all that I have, all that I will ever be. You have full rights to my life. I'm signing the bottom of the title deed. I'm bringing it into the throne room of God. You fill in the top. Whatever you want me to do, time, energy, money, possessions, future, you call the shots and I will obey because it's best for me. Your plan is the wisest plan because you love me. You're all knowing. You're all wise and you are so very good. If you pray that prayer today, please let me or somebody know. Third response is for believers who've surrendered, but you say, sometimes I just get overwhelmed and I'm afraid of the future. <laughs> just because you're, you've surrendered doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't come and, and mess with you. You claim this truth, and we're going to pray Psalm 8411. We read it earlier, but this is, we're going to make it personal. Lord God, you are my son. You're the light, S-U-N. You're, you're, the, you're the light of my life. You're the shield, the one who protects me. You're my grace, you're my glory. No good thing ever will I miss out on as I walk uprightly before you, God. If you pray that prayer, let me know or somebody know. Now, the word bio actually means life, and so we're going to talk about how to, how to grow spiritually, bio, and we're going to use those, those uh, initials. And, and here's what it means. 
before God daily. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to be before God daily in his word, through prayer. You receive direction. You follow his will. Second thing is in community weekly. You can worship in a crowd, but you can't fellowship in a crowd. You need to be around a table or you need to be in somebody's living room or you need to be across the table talking to somebody. That's how your heart gets knit together. And third is on mission 24-7. You believe that, that church is not just on Sunday mornings, it's 24-7, and you're looking for where God is at work. Jesus said, my father is always at work, and I too am working. If he's at work, I need to be recognizing that and joining his work. Maybe the reason you're frustrated in the Christian life is you're doing your work and not, the God, not God's work, not the father's work. Here's the last thing. You'll never miss out if you do life God's way. You will never miss out. Now, we're going to finish the service like this today. We're going to have a time of prayer. Sherry's up here, and, and we're going to pray for her. Um, and, but, but here's what I want to know, and, and I'm just asking you to, to share with the rest of the group, and it's okay to look around at this point. If you have some type of physical ailment that is it's just too much for you, you the doctors are struggling to know what to do, you, you need some relief from your physical pain, would you raise your hands? Keep them up for a minute. I want you to look around, look around, look around, look around, look around. Whoever is, has their hand up that, that is closest to you, whether you know their name or not, I'm going to ask you to pray for them in just a second. And then I'm going to pray specifically over Sherry and, and everybody that's raised their hands. And then the way we're going to end the service, um, we have our baskets back there. And if you're new, we have a, don't, don't even say, don't even make the noises. We're just weird around here. Joy basket, registration card basket, and the, and the bagel basket. You give back there in those baskets. You turn your cards in. You can turn your card in up here if you want to. But we're going to pray, and after, we, after I voice a prayer over you, Travis is going to play the song, God, You're So Good. And some of you are going to need to come up here to this altar and just lay your head before God and say, God, my life is not going well, but you're good, and I'm believing in you. Um, and I'm going to ask that there's no, no talking, no fellowshipping in here um, after I voice a prayer. You know, sometimes we do this when we do the Lord's Supper. I want you to leave this room quietly. Once you get outside, you're fine to fellowship, but this room is where, where some people need to spend some time before God today, asking him to do things only the risen Savior can do. So if somebody was close to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just have a, a, about 30 seconds of silence. I'm asking you to pray for that person, whether you know their name or not. I'll voice a prayer. We'll start the song. If you want to come up here, I'll have these prayers spread out along the front if you want to pray. Up here, nothing magical about the altar. It just it, Some of you like to come and, and, and kneel um, and, and think of God when you're at the front of the church. So bow your heads and let's pray silently. I'll voice a prayer and then we'll play the song and you'll be dismissed. Father, this is a holy moment as we come into your presence. We ask you to do things only, only the real God can do. Everybody that raised their hand, God, you, you created them, and so you're not surprised by whatever physical problem they're facing right now. We're surprised and we're hurting, but, but you're, you're, you're God, and you're good, 
And whether you answer our prayers and you bring healing through a doctor or you bring healing through prayer or you don't bring healing, you're still God. You're still good. We just ask you to do something, Lord, so we can proclaim your goodness. We can say, look what our God did. It's not about us, Lord. It's not about comfort. It's about you. God, I want to pray for Michael and Sherry as she goes to to have this surgery. I thank you, Lord, that the cancer ha- is contained. And we pray that, that after this surgery, God, that, that you will heal her quickly. It won't take four weeks. She'll be up sooner than that. And God, I want to pray for whatever child you have for them. I know Sherry's been struggling because she's not going to be able to carry a child. But God, we believe that you have a child or children for them that you've already picked out. We pray for those kids, wherever they are, whether they're even born yet, God. We pray that you would do something so miraculous to bring them a a physical family that that everyone who hears the story says, no way, what an amazing God you serve. And I pray that people come into the kingdom of God through all of this physical suffering, God. I pray that you bring people into your family, your eternal family, because this life is not all there is. Help us to realize that any breath could be our last breath and help us to make the most of every moment And we thank you for being a good God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the song plays, if you need to go, go ahead. If you want to pray with somebody, do that.